welcome to Walk with Zico, a physical and spiritual journey in the face of adversity. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Walk with Deco. I've spent a little bit of much needed time away traveling to and from North Carolina with my family throughout late July to mid-August to see my mom and sisters who I actually haven't seen since pre-COVID. Getting my new kids acquainted to new schools after being virtual for 15 plus months. Plus I'm embarking on a new career journey as a coach and counselor. So I've been pretty busy. Uh, those are all things I plan on unpacking for future episodes. Don't you worry. But this episode today is focused on one thing and one thing only, and that's September 11th, 2001. The actual day today is September 1st, and we're just 10 short days away from the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I plan on launching this episode next week on Wednesday, September 8th as a lead into that day, which falls on a Saturday this year. But let that sink in for a second. It's been 20 years since 9-11. I mean, there are kids in college now that were born after 9-11 took place, which is just mind-boggling to me. For those that don't know, the reason I wanted to do an episode about September 11th is because of my experience on that day, being right down there in the thick of things when the planes collided into the towers and still being down there and having to outrun the South Towers it fell. I've done some journaling over the years, but I've never really tried to capture and document the complete experience of that day, especially not in an audio format such as this. Plus, I've never really openly talked about the recovery process from that day and what reflections I've had about that day over the last 20 years. So this episode is going to be a journey into all that stuff and to explore the emotions that come up from revisiting some of those memories. And I will say, you know, first and foremost, just to be completely uh, candid with you guys, the audience that, you know, first and foremost, this is for me, this is something I see as a need to be therapeutic in some way. But I, I will say I, I do also hope that others can benefit from this if they are still processing um, things from this day or um, have relations to this day that um, they're still looking to do this is what I felt was necessary. Um, and I felt necessary to document this experience um, for my kids, for other people who want to listen to my story one day. Um, but hopefully you guys, the listeners, can get some benefit out of it as well. I do want to give a disclaimer. You know, some of the things we explore might not be easy to hear. If you have to pause, if you have to skip through and hit that 30-second fast-forward button, then by all means, do what you feel is necessary. My goal here is not shock value. It's simply to document my experience of that day and explore the emotions that come up now being 20 years removed from it. In fact, my initial goal about a year ago was to submit an audio recording such as this to NPR. They have something called StoryCorps where anyone can go in and record their story and the recordings end up getting archived at the Library of Congress. And I may still do that, but for now, Preserving my story in the format of a podcast episode makes sense. It feels right. And, and for this episode, while I'm not literally walking to get my steps in, like you're used to hearing me in my previous episodes, you know, you can figuratively walk with me and my story of what I experienced on that infamous September day in 2001. One quick but very important thing to do before we completely dive in with my story it's necessary to acknowledge the almost 3,000 lives that were lost that day. The people on the planes, the people in the towers, the people at the Pentagon, 
firefighters, police officers, military personnel, and even many people who made it out, out of the towers that day but died later due to exposure to dust and toxins. I'd like to just pause and give a 20 second moment of silence to honor the lives that were tragically cut short, but will undoubtedly be remembered forever. Okay, so if you were paying close attention, I said a couple times in my prelude the word we. That we would explore that day and the emotions that come up. Well, that's right. I'm not going on this journey alone. I'd like to welcome in my best friend of 35 plus years, Dominic Quartuccio. Dominic, how's it going? What's up, Dico? Uh, honored to be on this on the, on the podcast to have this conversation with you, man. And correct me if I'm wrong. Am I the second guest on this show behind Mary Uch? You are second guest. Um, and, uh, you know, who knows there may be, there may be more to come, but, um, you felt very right for, um, for bringing in this episode, uh, me bringing you in this episode, which is a little bit unorthodox, honestly because this is my podcast and yeah, on paper, you're my quote unquote guest for the day, but for all intents and purposes, I'm actually putting you to work. Um, you know, most people invite guests to their podcast to interview them and don't worry, I may someday, you're a pretty interesting guy. And, uh, I think our listeners would benefit from a lot of the things you're doing, but I'm bringing you onto my show to interview me, uh, which may be a bit selfish, but, uh, I promise there's a, there's a method to my madness. I know there is man. And you know, it's, this is a conversation I've been looking forward to having with you for a long time. You know, like we've had uh, bits and pieces, right? We've talked about this in fragments, uh, but to, to be able to sit down with you and, and to get the whole story, um, knowing that you're ready to tell it now uh, is something that I've really been looking forward to. And I think this will be a big moment for you. And I, th I think what you said up front about how this is going to be a moment for you, which it absolutely is whoever's listening is going to, it's going to be medicine for them too. So I'm excited to, to hear what you're ready to go. Absolutely. Um, you know, you have some experience doing this and it's the reason why you were the first and only one to think of, uh, to help me. I think I called it like land, you know, as we go through this, it's going to kind of be like landing planes at LaGuardia, which is a weird thing that I'm coming up with that analogy, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, you have 250 now, podcast under your belt. Um, congratulations on that, by the way. Thanks. Um, that's the, and, and I'll link the show notes because it's a great podcast, the great man within podcast. And obviously we've done a lot of work together in the great man mastermind, which you lead up and I've benefited uh, immensely from in the last 18 months. So you were an easy pick to help guide me, uh, on this journey. So in a weird way, I'm going to kind of hand it over to you. I'll do a lot of the talking, obviously telling my story, but, um, you know, I'll hand it on to you to kind of guide me through that day and, and especially of the years since then and how I've, uh, how I've dealt with things. Yeah, I think it, the first place I think it would be helpful for all of us to start is to just recognize the gravity of this particular moment, which is 20 years in the making, right? There was just a few hours in time on September 11th in 2001 that changed the course of history forever, 
and change the lives of many families, many businesses, international policies, the way that we interact with one another, and then individual healing journeys, um, like the one that we're about to go through today with you. And so, you know, for anyone who's listening, but also for you, um, Deco, you know, just pulling into this moment, the awareness of this is 20 years in the making, and you're about to talk about things that you for two decades were not ready to talk about, but now you are. So with that, as the starting place, um, I'm curious, like, where do you want to begin in telling your story? Yeah, that's a great question. And usually when I do, I set the stage and talking about like the week or two leading up to it to kind of let people understand where I was in, in, in my time of life. Um, because you, you mentioned 20 years, you know, I was 22 at the time, fresh out of college, first job working downtown Manhattan, um, just feeling on top of the world, like living life. And I remember I had these, you know, I was, it was my second full week of work mm-hmm. and our building was right across the street, world financial center, right across the, the wet West, West street or West side highway, right across from, uh, the world trade center. And, you know, I got, I remember having a few buddies and that week, like we were going out to happy hours. We were having lunch, like just feeling the vibes and energy of New York city. And we're like, wow, this is our life now. Like we're coming out of college. And I, I specifically remember that first full week Friday, we went out to happy hour. You remember like Moran's, I don't know. Like that was just like everyone in their twenties went there, drank a lot. It was fun. Like you just, we just felt like, we were like, wow, we're 22 on top of the world, right? And I remember even that day, because I lived in Hoboken at the time, I was like feeling, oh, I'll splurge for the ferry this time. I'm not going to take the path. And, you know, I remember taking that ferry. So this is this would have been, I don't know, Friday before 9-11. And just getting to Hoboken and looking back and just seeing the skyline of downtown Manhattan. And it was probably the last time I like really, I just looked at it and I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, Where the towers were still intact, right? Just like these two shining beacons, right? Exactly. And, uh, and that was probably the last moment I took, took that moment to really kind of capture a snapshot of, of downtown Manhattan. And then fast forward, um, you know, again, what I'll say before I, I go into the day is I've journaled over the years Um, I even shared some of that journaling with you, but I've never, um, I haven't journaled my whole experience. That was another part of the motive behind today was to try and quote unquote journal in an audio format, that whole experience. But even when we go later on, talk about the recovery, I probably, in those first five years, you know, again, maybe being young and immature, like I did not process a lot. Sure. Um, I did not actually go see a counselor, I think until five years later when I was actually living in North Carolina, which we'll talk about that later, but heading back into, you know, the next week, I even, I mean, I remember weird things. I remember the Monday night right before, like there was a giants Redskins Monday night football game on like certain things are just still so clear in your brain 20 years later. And then waking up that day, the irony of that day, it was that it was a gorgeous September day beautiful not like hardly a cloud in the sky 
And my route to work was walk to the path, get on the path, walk through like kind of the lobby of the World Trade Center, walk through the air bridge over the West Side Highway into the World Financial Center. And that was my uh, what I did Tuesday morning and the timing of it all. Um, reflecting back, I was probably in the tower of the lobby. Well, I was probably in the tower of the lobby just minutes before the first plane hit American airlines 11, which was the first one to crash into the North tower. And that was at eight 46 AM. Um, I probably arrived at my desk probably a couple minutes before that, like literally probably at eight 45. And I was pretty close to a window. We were only on like the 19th, 20th floor. Um, so in order to, we could see the towers, but like we saw like a midsection to see like the top of the towers, obviously being so tall, you needed to go the win- um, to the window. And I literally- For perspective, Tico, just for perspective, the, yeah. the, the, the World Trade Centers, I believe were, the towers were 110 stories high, if I, if I have that correct. Um, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you, I mean, you know, you're on the 20th floor, which is, you know, exactly. high for most places, but like you're talking about another 90 stories. So like, just to give you guys. Exactly. Rap, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I'm trying to give the perspective of like, to see the top where the, like, obviously the planes hit, um, I forget off the top no. of my head, the exact floors that were hit. Um, I had to go to the, to my window to see up Yep. and I literally dropped my bag and heard something very weird but the weird thing is it wasn't like the loudest explosion or noise i ever heard but i heard something very unique and i was like what the heck was that enough so to cause me to go to the window and look up and at this point i saw what looked just like a pretty big fire in in the north tower um but the crazy thing is it had to be within minutes of the of the plane going in um I started processing like what was going on that being in consulting, uh, you know, accounting at the time, like eight forty five was actually pretty early for those people. Um, people didn't really come in until nine that 30, but being second week of work, I, you know, I was trying to make a good first impression, get in early. So oddly enough, our floor was kind of empty. I was the only one at the window at this time. Interesting. Yeah. So there's a very, a lonely experience. And I'm curious Deco, like, when, when you were face to face with something that you've never comprehended before, right? Maybe you've heard, maybe you've been around earthquakes before you've heard loud noises, like a firecracker going off or a gunshot going off. But like when you come face to face with something that you can't comprehend, like a plane going into a building and you're standing there by yourself, looking up and seeing the smoke, what, when you're saying you're processing, like what, what, what is going through your mind at this moment? Well, so, so for one, I don't know it's a plane yet. Like, like I don't, I just, you can't, I I can't see a plane. I can just see like a big hole in the North tower with a a pretty intense fire going on. Now the imagery of what I saw after, and this is like, I'll refer to a bunch of things that were like kind of straight out of a movie, like things were falling from the tower. Like we were that close and you had pretty simple things like just like, like papers, like going, like, like just like debris falling. And then where it got really real, it was like, I don't even know what it was, but there was a really big chunk of debris that like fell right in front of me and I could see it just fall right to the ground and, and make a pretty big, like 
I don't know how to describe it. Just like it, a pretty big impact to the ground. Okay. And I was, and that's when I was like, holy shit, this thing is not under control. Yep. Um, finally, the people in the office at the time started to get together. Like what the heck's going on? Like there's something serious going on Fine, after. So we're talking like maybe 855. So second plane hasn't obviously hit yet. Finally, intercom comes on in our building saying there's an incident at the World Trade Center. Um, you know, please stay in the building and we'll update you, you know, accordingly. So again, have no news of a, no idea of a plane, no idea of anything. And now people are starting to gather towards the window of just watching this fire that we think it's just a fire at this point. And are you feeling safe at this point? Believe it or not. Yes, but definitely on edge. Okay. Like, um, but then I said, eight fifty-five. the second tower, um, the second plane, United airlines, one seventy-five, um, crashed into the South tower at nine Oh three AM. And that's where it just, the best way to describe it is again, I'm at the window, I'm looking up at the North tower and, you know, we don't have the perspective of being able to see the plane coming in. We're just like looking and it, that felt like a crazy big explosion. Like you could see the South tower, but like you couldn't see the plane come in. You could feel the impact. Like, so if I had to, it's so hard to describe it. If I had to say, obviously a split second, I saw the plane like come to the tower, but it was like, I, I didn't know it was a plane. It could have been a missile. You didn't know it what you saw, right? You didn't it know what been, you saw. Yeah, exactly. I know something hit the tower. Yep. Yep. I know something was not associated with what I was seeing on the North Tower. Yep. Our windows, like that's where our building shook. Yep. That's when like no one waited for the intercom. Like it was that intense. Everyone went, some people first started going to the elevators and then everyone's like, like we kind of felt under attack, honestly, like something like, I I can't even, it's so hard to describe, but like, yeah, it it felt like it could be missiles like on downtown Manhattan, which in a sense, you know, really was. What were Um, the emotions of the people now that they're like heading towards the frantic, yeah, frantic, frantic, panicking, because by that point, I think some people had you know, maybe there were some TVs with the Today Show on. So I think maybe by that point, some people were already talking about like it was a plane that flew into the first tower. Um, so I think in this frantic state, some people are trying to piece together um, that it could have been a second plane. But we went straight. People were going to the elevator and they were like, no, don't, don't get in an elevator. And we took the stairs down again. Luckily, we were only on the 20th floor or whatever. And uh, it was frantic. I mean, people like were orderly, but we, you know, we had 20 floors to kind of think of what are we walking out into? Right. And like, what's the plan? Right. Like right. there was, there was no order. There was no, like, no one was leading us. Like we were just escaping. Um, and, and that's where a pretty pivotal moment of uh, maybe halfway down, I was walking down with uh a guy I, I kind of had hung out with a little bit. Um, and I, I won't say his name, but he knows who he is. 
And uh, we looked at each other and uh, we said, we have no idea what is going to be out there. Let's stick together. Mm. And we did the rest of the day. Um, Mm. We were linked. Um, The crazy thing is I've only, I've only since then have seen him. I saw him a couple of times at work, like post nine 11, you know, after I left my company, you know, I haven't seen him since we almost always connect on nine 11 and, and, and kind of that's, that's our connection, but I'm so thankful to have that on that day. I couldn't imagine walking out once we finally hit the bottom floor, walking out on downtown Manhattan, um, based on some things I saw doing that alone, because when I did hit the streets, even having a kind of buddy by my side, um, you know, we saw some, saw, saw some things, um, you know, even, even saw some things in between the first two planes hitting, um, you know, this is one of those areas where it, it, it gets, a, it gets a little intense. Um, if you want to fast forward, Actually, before uh-huh. we get, before we get to that deco, and, and, and I know that you're getting to some really intense stuff here before you dive into that, like what, what was it that this linking up with this man provided you, right? Like what, 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 what did that do for you in order for you to go out and confront what yeah. this unexpectedness? Just connection, teamwork, what, like camaraderie, uh, you know, just not feeling alone. Um, we, we, again, we just, when you go in through an intense moment like that, like, I think we luckily both felt it very important to just say, no matter what happens, let's stay together and have each other's back. Cool. Um, and that was, um, and we did that and it, it became especially important not to fast forward, but, um, what I mentioned the frantic of leaving the building when I got to my desk and dropped my bag off. And I, it's important to mention, I had a cell phone. I probably, this was my first cell phone and I probably had it for like a month. Right. Right. I mean, obviously the crazy thing of if, if this was now and like with, with videos and stuff like nine 11 would have been captured in a completely different way, obviously. But it was so frantic when that second plane hit, I didn't, I didn't even think to grab my phone. It Mm. was, it was exit. Mm. It was like survival mode. So I left my phone there that day. And I say that thankfully that, um, my friend didn't, he had, he had his phone on him. Um, and later on, luckily I was able to use his phone to call my family, to let them know, um, that I was okay. But that was several hours after the, you know, this, this was probably noon, one o'clock. Right. So my family and friends for the most part went those hours without knowing, you know, where I was. Yeah. And even with his, even with his phone, it was very hard to get through. Um, yep. It was very hard to call anyone. So, uh, yeah. So just to jump back, once we finally got out, we were kind of chickens with our heads cut off. We're like, where do we go? What do we do? Like where we start hearing and people, you know, people are kind of like starting to talk a little bit in the streets but again, like, this is where we're noticing some things that 
um, it's starting to really amplify and get intense and, and some large things are starting to fall from the towers. Um, and let's, We're let's set, yeah, let's set that stage yeah. here just so that we, uh, you know, this, this is where it gets really real for you. Um, and th- there's a trigger warning here because some of the things that you saw are pretty disturbing. So for anyone who's listening right now, um, if you're feeling particularly sensitive or vulnerable, you know, around this, this is the time to kind of hit the fast forward for the next couple of minutes. Um, and so Deco, you know, for you, you, you move from the indoor space and then you emerge from the building and you are now outdoors. What's the first thing that you two see, like that you and this other man, what's the first thing that you guys see and feel when you're out there? It's, it's starting to become pretty much chaos on the streets. Um, like kind of, you know, again, like think of like, the movie scenes where like people are like kind of running every which way, like yeah. there's just no order. It started to kind of feel a lot like that. But again, you kind of have this like, can't not watch the train wreck kind of feeling and you keep looking up and you keep wondering. Now also keep in mind, like no one had as crazy as what was going on, what we thought and what nobody thought was that obviously they were going to fall. The tower like, so, yeah. so there's, yeah. So there's this perspective of staying away, but like also, and being scared about like, what could be possibly next. Um, and honestly, like, I think a little bit of the fear led to kind of indecision on our part. Like, should we stay downtown? This is, you know, and, and while we're like kind of processing and like understanding which direction to even go in, because again, keep in mind, I went through the path, like that was no longer an option, obviously that was, so that was like, well, going on home on the path is not an option. And the path is the subway. Like the, yeah, the, the path is the subway. Yeah. Yes. Between New Jersey and New York. And obviously the, the basement of the world trade center is just that. And it's my you know way to get through in the morning. And so, um, we're kind of just undecided or indecisive. Um, and it's unfortunately what led to us kind of just standing around, looking, waiting, trying to get sense of it all. And, um, and through that process, yeah, yeah, it started to intensify big time. And, and the, um, you know, having looked up in the towers and, and, and we're starting to see images of, uh, of people jumping, and, um, and that, that is just like, I mean, that there are certain images of that day and those images were just ironed on, um, to my, uh, to my brain, yeah, um, yeah. And, and still are somewhat to this day. Uh, I think you and I have talked about before and, you know, you're one of few people that, that probably I get this detailed and, and, um, you know, again, my point is not to be of shock value. It's just, this is my experience and this is what I saw. And, and it was very hard to make sense of a lot of those images and just to the, the, the pain that I felt, um, for, for those people that, that was, um, that was their, that's what they had to do. Um, it's just, you can't even make sense of it. 
and uh, I haven't made sense of it, obviously. And, um, and those images, you know, still stick with me to this day. Um, And, and there were, I mentioned falling debris. I started, you know, we started seeing some people, um, you know, believe it or not, there was this one guy who was okay, but he got, he got whacked in the head by some falling piece of debris and like a big open wound cut. He was, and we, you know, tried to attend to him. Luckily there was, um, an EMT relatively close by to handle it. He was fortunately fine. Okay. But like things like that started kind of increasing and that's, um, all this kind of added up to the gravity of like, we really need to decide what the hell, to, where to go. Because our building, there was, again, no, there was no fire drill. Like fire drill, just, there was no time for that. Yeah, there's no plan, there is no process. There's no manual for what was happening. And I'm curious, man, you know, and, and we'll tread lightly on the subject, but when you noticed that people were starting to, to jump, in that moment, did you feel the pain in that moment or did the pain come afterwards, right? The pain of their experience come afterwards upon reflection or what was it that you were feeling when you noticed that this is happening? Yeah, I think the pain of what they experienced maybe was like reflected afterwards. I think in the moment, I just, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Right. Right. Like it just, I, I, I don't wish anyone have to ever see something like that. Um, just uh, such a helpless feeling, um, such a horrific feeling, honestly, yeah. of, of um, it's hard to put into words. It really is. Um, what do you yeah, feel? I mean, I've obviously reflected on that day and the pain and just, I mean, not, I mean, obviously not wishing anyone would have to see that, of course, not wishing anyone would ever have to come close to enduring something like that. I, I just, I've obviously leaned on my faith a lot to try and help me, you know, get through that. But it's, even with that, it's been tough to know that, that that's how um, someone's life here on earth should end. Yeah. Um and, uh, and yeah, it's it just, I mean, I'm coming up like without words because there are none, there are no words. Yeah, man. What are you feeling right now as you're sitting here recounting that? Um, honestly, just, just, just kind of, you know, like it has over many years, like my heart, you know, I, I had an intense experience, but you know, nothing like, um, some of these other people, um, and what their families had to endure, um, from sense of senseless tragedy. And, and, uh, just, I feel an overwhelming sense of emotion and, and sympathy for, um, everyone impacted. And, and I'll probably go in, into detail as to the processing of the years later and how I felt it was important to do something to acknowledge and, and honor that, um, in some way, shape or form, um, is my duty, but the, to, to kind of 
I know there's, there's not a smooth segue to kind of move on. Doesn't need to from be here. Yeah. So forgive me for this, um, for the left turn. Uh, but you know, we started hearing that now the ferries were being canceled because once path was closed, we thought, all right, I'll take the ferry back. Ferries stopped running. So we were like, all right, I guess like we, we don't know what to do. So we kind of just started going South, like kind of towards like battery park, um, area. And like, I'm looking at a map now, like we, we started kind of just going around battery park, kind of going back to West street. Uh, Battery Park then wasn't as built up as as it is now. There was like some construction going on, and um, were people walking? Were you all walking? Were you guys running? Yeah, like, we kind of dis- so what we did was we kind of walked to the water and distanced ourselves a little more from like the towers yeah. because of the falling debris, because of things that going on, and so we kind of distanced ourselves. But our our for whatever reason we started going south and. Um, really didn't have a plan in mind, but we started just starting to distance ourselves from, from the towers. Um, you know, again, not knowing, you know, what was going on and battery park kind of comes back to West street at some point. And, you know, I'm trying to get my, the timing of everything down because the first, the first tower that got hit by the plane was actually the second one to collapse the second tower that got hit the one at 9:03 AM was actually the first one to collapse. And that was at 9:59 AM. So we're talking almost okay. a good 45 minutes of aimlessly kind of figuring out what to do, um, helping certain people along the way for sure. Um, but we decided to keep going South and bend around towards West street. And then that's where we had like another view of the towers and again, kind of movie like, um, and this during these 45 minutes to give perspective to while we had no cell service and we couldn't get anything, people started talking about like a plane hit the Pentagon. Cause that was at nine 37 AM. Um, things started. So then we're starting to think like, okay, America's under attack yeah. and we got to get off this Island as this huge Island of so many people. And we're starting to feel like extremely claustrophobic. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and just to, 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 this was a time you were talking about the cell phone. This was what the era of flip phones, right? So yeah. like the, the access to information, you're not on a smartphone getting CNN or Fox right. news or New York times. Like, and, and there's also no one with a video phone that's capturing this and posting it to Twitter. Cause that didn't exist yet. So like, the information that you had access to was coming in slowly and the rest of the world didn't have access to, there was almost like everyone was flying blind in a way that it's hard to, it's almost hard to comprehend that in today's era where we have like a million different perspectives, right? So you were flying really blind back then. Very, very much so. And, and, and people started to talk, people started to like, once they got that information, literally just through their voice was starting to like, just tell people, and that's where we started hearing about the Pentagon. And then this had to be right at 10 a.m. Um, or right, I would say right before 10 a.m. Like we're looking at the towers and a random stranger just comes up to me and like looks at me like dead face in the eye and just like, 
wow, this will be a day we never forget. And literally, I mean, I know it sounds dramatic, but literally the second he finished that statement, we started, the, the tower started to fall. Mm. And, um, and the sound is just so vivid. Um, mm. I mean, literally like kind of an avalanche type sound. And I've never, well, I've never been part of an avalanche, but like that's kind of what I envision uh, of it sounding. And the second it started to fall, we were still far enough away, but like, again, 110 stories worth of building. Um, our first instinct was to run the other way. And not knowing, you know, they fell pretty orderly, but like not knowing how they're falling in the moment, not knowing what's going on, not knowing, are we far enough away for like, just for us not to get smothered in debris? Didn't have any clue of that. So we just ran south, yep. uh, more south. And at this point where probably, you know, like kind of go like at this point, we're probably now just like eventually getting to battery park and just like, we, we went so far that we eventually just hit water. Right. So how many blocks is that from mm. the towers? Are you 10 blocks from the towers? Are you 20 blocks from the towers? Like how close are you at this point? It's like less than a five minute walk, I think. So that's it. You're only five minutes. Five, five, yeah. Okay. Five to 10 minute walk. Um, but I would say within 20 to 30 seconds of um, the South um, South Tower collapsing, we uh, a cloud of dust that you couldn't see five inches in front of your face uh, enveloped us. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, honestly, that moment was one of the few moments, only moments where I thought I may die because I didn't know what was going on mm -hmm. and we couldn't see. Um, and it was just putting, getting back in that moment. Like there are certain moments that are so vivid and there are certain moments like that where I'm, it's, I'm in so much disarray that like, it's hard to even like think of what really went on. If sure. that makes sense. Sure. And if, you're able to, if you're able to answer this question, Deco, you know, you've done a, a really brave and courageous job leading us up to this point where you've seen things and experienced things that you couldn't quite process. But up until this moment, it feels like there was a sense of, all right, I just got to get myself out of here, but never really felt your life was threatened. You knew that you were in danger when this cloud comes and hits you and you said, this was the first moment where I felt like my life was being threatened. What did that feel like? Like what, what, what was the shift and how did that feel for you internally? Yeah. Um, you know, it's weird you say that because I, I don't know, putting myself back in that moment before even the towers fell like, yeah, I mean, you're right. I was in danger, but like, you know, even then my life did feel in danger because like, I thought like, all right, when's the next plane going to hit or when, you know, the whole, all of Manhattan could be under attack for all I know. This could be happening in Midtown for all I know. I have sure. no like really perspective of that, but yeah, you're right. It definitely took another leap when 
your vision is taken away from you for the most part. You can't see in front of you. You can't really comprehend like, okay, I can't see now. I'm not being bulldozed by debris of a building, but how do I know that's not coming like any second? Mm -hmm. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And you know, you, I don't, I don't know. You act on instinct. You act, you just keep going. Like it's hard to, again, hard to have words for what I was feeling in that moment. Obviously scared, you know, is an obvious one. Um, again, back to the point of having, um, like I, I, from what I remember, like we were literally holding on to each other. So again, having that person by my side did take a lot of, I mean, it helped. Let's just put it that way to that. We were going through this together. And, um, I would say we eventually got to a point where it was still very cloudy, but like you could start to kind of see, like, I mean, it literally was gradual. It was like five inches, then maybe five feet in front of you, then maybe like 10 feet. It never, it never fully got clear. Like, as you, as you know, and especially like the way wind was blowing and the images you see of, of like the cloud of smoke and dust on that day, it was all just going South. Um, and in another kind of odd moment in the scramble was we ran, we ran, we ran until we literally hit water and couldn't run any further. Now keep in mind a little further on to the, a decent amount to the East is the Staten Island ferry. And that's when we started thinking that is our closest method of anything to get out, to get off this Island. But to get there, it was where we positioned ourselves and where we kind of pinned ourselves. So this was crazy. Like there were people contemplating we in, in like the group of people that we were in that, like it almost went through our head that we just had to like jump in the water and start swimming. Swimming. Yeah. Like, and it's so crazy to think, like, I actually remember one guy, I don't know why he did this, but like he was ready to go. And he like tossed his laptop bag, like in the water, like ready to go. Hmm. And we said like, no, no, like wait, like, but like the fact that like that, we thought that was like the option we needed at the moment. Cause like, we couldn't, we had no bearing of like where we were, what we had to go through. Fortunately, no one did, but we were close. We were close to thinking like that was our only option, which is crazy get to the Staten and ferry again, back to the point I made about battery park and some things just being under construction. Um, of course, as luck would have it, it was not an easy straight shot. There were like fences of construction and things like that, that we were honestly scared to go any bit North to kind right. of get around that right. crap. So I remember in, this is where we can add a little levity to uh, to a story that's obviously pretty intense, but you know, my, um, efficiencies with climbing fences. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> and so, so much so that I ripped open my arm on the top of a fence and I, um, and I, I bled all over the button down that I was wearing it that day. Um, 
we're in, in that moment because like as a child right right like when you're referring to these fences like you would like you constantly ripped yourself open climbing over fences like you were kind of famous in our group of friends for that um in that moment in this chaotic moment like are there any of these light moments that kind of like you're, you're laughing at you're like oh here's another fence where i mangle myself and like is there any humor in those moments strangely or is it all like just intense 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 it's all intense i mean i i would yeah it's it's all business, all intense. Um, yeah, just, I mean, you know, I of course joke about that. And I, I obviously want to be sympathetic to that. That was like nothing. Um, obviously, um, but the reason I mentioned it is because like, I remember getting, you know, fast forward, getting home that day and, uh, just the wanting to throw that shirt away as quickly as possible because it was a memory of that day. Yep. And we eventually got through, um, and obviously a lot of people had the same idea as us. So now we have like this, this mass exodus of people trying to get form a queue towards the Staten Island ferry. And it's getting pretty intense. Like this is now where we're like shoulder to shoulder with uh, uh, hundreds of people, like a lot of, maybe even more, a lot of people. And it's, this is the first time where I had to like, step up and provide some, uh, group order and call people out and try and get people to work better together because mm. there were some people like literally pushing people over to try and get through. Yep. And I remember specifically, and, uh, I can't imagine being in their shoes, but I remember a couple ladies and, um, with like a, a an elementary class field trip. Um, and this, this guy was like bulldozing, like trying to get through. And I was kind of trying to like protect them a little bit because they were obviously scared. And these poor ladies were trying to get them off. And, uh, it's, it was the first couple of times where I had to like literally scream back at people to like, tell them, hold up, yep. like you're not helping like we all need to work together here because like, we're going to like start to smother ourselves and like trample each other. Yeah. Um, that's that feeling of claustrophobia started, um, intensifying, but again, no, I don't want to diminish obviously what other people had to go through in different circumstances that day. Um, that was nothing compared to, but just a point you know, on we, that deco, you know, like, of course, if you, if we're comparing, right, what other people went through, no question, but, you know, it, part of why you're talking about this is, um, to heal, you know, yeah. what you went through and, um, and let's not diminish what you experienced, right? Like, right. let's, you know, the, like it's, it's extremely scary to be in that place where, everyone's gathering, uh, people are panicking and pushing over school children, trying to get on a ferry and God forbid, if your best option is to go to Staten Island in any situation, like everyone's there, like all of that in that one moment where you lived that experience and, and, and to be able to just allow yourself not to have to compare it, not to diminish it to other people's situations, to just give yourself that moment of this was scary you know, yeah. and allow yourself to let that in. Yeah. Well said. And, and I, and I have, um, you know, obviously everyone's experience is really different than that day, but you know, I rem we, I remember getting, finally getting on the Staten Island ferry with my friend and 
Um, that took, that process took a while. So I think, I think even, gosh, I'm trying to remember, you know, the, the timing of it all. Um, because that had to be by that time, the two towers fell within a half hour of each other. Um, within that 10, 10, 30 timeframe, that's when you now had, um, Shanksville like crashed, I think at 10 3 AM United airlines, 93, yep. um, just a lot, a lot happening, a lot of moving parts again, happening and everyone's getting their life jackets on and Staten Island ferry. And, um, and it's still pretty cloudy at this point. It's still pretty, you could see an, enough, but, um, the reason I mentioned that is because just right when that boat finally started moving, there was the first feeling of somewhat relief, not full mm. relief, mm. but there was a part along the journey to Staten Island where the boat at that point finally outpaced the real thick of dust mm. and like air started feeling clearer. And that was like the second big moment of relief mm -hmm. of like, okay, maybe like we'll make it out today. Mm -hmm. um, and and then we, you know, I mean, the, re the rest of the story, I mean, we made it to Staten Island. Um, funny enough, there was like a Taco Bell that we just parked. And like, again, I keep going back to movie scenes, but this is like, again, that movie scene where everyone's outside, everyone's outside of their car, like radios on and like, tr and like a lot of talking to each other, a lot of like processing of of what's going on like many people had to do in the in you know their own homes watching this unfold on tv you know i obviously didn't have that experience i i witnessed it a little too close to comfort but um we were we were on i mean we were we got staten island it had to be like 11 11 30 and then that's when we really tried once we felt safe enough that's when we really tried to get in touch with family friends um my roommate who you knew from college um was was frantically trying to get in touch with me the weird thing was having to listen to all the voicemails like right. well after the fact right was very strange um strange very strange like, feeling what was that like i mean just these people are literally calling me um not knowing what happened to me knowing i was in severe danger and i just i to be able to hear their voices in that moment of unknowing was was like kind of a, a weird thing to hear yeah. um and we were stranded on staten island for the day and um we had to take like a, eventually a bus to bayonne back to jersey city who um another colleague we had um fortunately was like on the path train that like was halfway there when like the towers when when the first plane hit and like the path went back. So yep. I was like probably a few path trains ahead of that. Yep. And he luckily got just sent back to New Jersey and went back to his apartment and we made it. And that was in Jersey city. And we made it back to his place. Cause we still Hoboken was still blocked off. And, you know, I had to, we had to hang at 
this guy's apartment for a while, which was like, we're all just kind of processing the day. Um, kind of, I mean, a little bit, maybe some levity starting to come up, like, um, like the, the dichotomy of the experience my friend and I had versus this guy who's been sitting in his apartment the whole right, day. Right. And he missed that experience by just a couple minutes. Right. Um, and that just really kind of highlights how delicate and different certain circumstances and, and outcomes can, can be in life. Um, this had to be eight, nine o'clock at night. We're getting close to, we're finally, they allowed cars coming in from Hoboken to Jersey city. And that's where my roommate picked me up. Uh, we went back to Hoboken and then we both drove back to Mawa to stay at my mom's house that night. Okay. So you went all um, the way home. Okay. Yeah. We, we just wanted to get out and, um, and that's where just finally getting home, finally getting to hug my mom. That's when there was peace But I remember going to bed that night and just like not knowing how to end a day like that. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I realized there were some pretty tough moments to hear in that, but I truly hope you got something out of it. If you did, please take a moment to subscribe and rate and review the walk with Deco podcast in Apple podcasts and be sure to check out part two of this series where I talk about the recovery and processing trauma and dealing with PTSD in the days, weeks, months, and years leading all the way up to present day. Also for more info about the walk with Deco mission, visit walkwithdeco.com. Remember crisis equals opportunity. Don't ask God, why is this happening to me? Reframe it and answer the question. Why is this happening for me? Thanks again for listening. See ya.